In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. What do you fear? We tend to think of fear as something negative, something to overcome or to master. Perhaps this is because fear is so powerful and because it can so easily go awry. Fear provokes in us a fight-and-flight response, which means that disordered fear can be debilitating, and it can be so in an astonishing variety of ways. Phobias are legion from more common varieties like fear of the dark, or deep water, or dentists, to claustrophobia, or agoraphobia, to more exotic varieties like triskaidekaphobia, the fear of the number 13, or xanthophobia, fear of the color yellow. A list of phobias on Wikipedia has 173 entries. In all these cases, something has gone wrong, sometimes tragically so. Just imagine for a moment living with half a phobia, which is an intense, overwhelming fear of being touched, a condition in which being touched by anyone, even those you love, can lead to significant distress, even pain. How terrible that would be. We recognize such disorders as tragic because they are unhealthy fears. To suffer from a phobia is to fear out of proportion to all reality, or to fear what cannot harm me at all. Such fears are oppressive. They stifle human flourishing. To fear wrongly is to live a diminished life. But can we fear rightly? Is there a sense in which fear can lead to human flourishing? What would be a proper object of fear? What might we rightly dread? Jesus, in the gospel, teaches his disciples, teaches us what to fear and what not to fear. As he sends out the twelve apostles, he warns them of the danger of their mission. He sends them, he says, as sheep, with, as sheep in the midst of wolves. He warns them of the rejection and persecution, the violence and hatred they will face. Ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. And yet, despite the dangers of their mission, he tells them to be afraid. He goes on to give them reasons not to fear. They need not fear first because the one who sent them has himself borne the cost. He does not ask them to do what he has not done himself, what he is not ready to suffer himself. Jesus himself was despised and rejected of men. When they face opposition then, when they are maligned or worse, they are sharing in his their master's suffering. 
He says, The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master, and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Fear them not, therefore. Indeed, he had already told them, Blessed are ye, when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice, and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And indeed, later on, the apostles do in fact rejoice when they encounter opposition in proclaiming the gospel of Christ. Indeed, the Acts of the Apostles tells how the apostles, having been once beaten severely by the authorities and warned not to speak any more in the name of Jesus, they rejoiced because they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. And thanks be to God because we are the heirs of their witness. So too, have countless Christians down the ages rejoiced to suffer for the Lord, confessors and martyrs alike, bearing witness to the Lord Jesus, from St. Stephen to, closer to our own time, Blessed Stanley Rother, to our brothers and sisters who even today suffer violence and death because they confess the Lord Jesus. They rejoice to follow their Lord wherever he leads, even through suffering and death, rejoicing to be counted worthy, to be conformed so closely to their master, who by his death has destroyed death, and by his rising to life again has won for us everlasting life, who says, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Again, The disciples need not fear because they have been sent to bear witness to Jesus, that is, to the truth, to the truth in person. They witness to the truth, and the truth will triumph in the end. For as the scripture says, truth is mighty above all things. Perhaps you've seen the Netflix miniseries Chernobyl about the nuclear disaster there. Something one of the characters says is to the point here. The scientist Valery Legasov is speaking at a trial before the Soviet authorities who have been trying to suppress the truth about the Chernobyl disaster. He says, when the truth offends, we lie and lie until we cannot remember it's there. But it is still there. Every lie we tell incurs a debt to the truth. Sooner or later, the debt is paid. Later, at the very end of the series, Legasov says, Where I once would fear the cost of truth, now I only ask, what is the cost of lies? Fear them not, therefore, Jesus says, For there is nothing covered 
that shall not be revealed, and hid that shall not be known. The truth is mighty above all things. It will triumph in the end. The very structure of reality is ordered to the vindication of those who bear witness to the truth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Fear them not, therefore, Jesus says. Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. With these words, our Lord teaches his disciples, teaches us, most explicitly how to fear rightly. He teaches us that the death of the body is not the worst thing that can happen to us. Far worse is the death of the soul, which is just the logical consequence of sin, of turning away from the Lord, the very source of life, so that the soul wastes away to nothing, becoming less and less, slipping and sliding down and down to the abyss. Listen to how St. Augustine puts it. The soul is the life of the body, he says, but God is the life of the soul. Thus, the body is dead without the soul, and the soul is dead without God. What this means, he says, is that rather than bewailing the dead, we ought to bewail sin. Bewail ungodliness, he says. Bewail unbelief. A prayer in the prayer book expresses this thought in a very clear way. It begins, O most loving Father, who willest us to give thanks for all things, to dread nothing but the loss of thee, and to cast all our care on thee, who carest for us. That phrase expresses it just about perfectly, to dread nothing but the loss of thee. This alone is what we rightly fear, to dread nothing but the loss of thee, O Lord. If we fear the Lord rightly, we have nothing at all to fear. As the scripture says, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? And again, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of of wisdom. And again, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. A proper fear and reverence of the Lord, the living God, the maker of all things and judge of all men, is the irreducible foundation of true religion, true right relationship with God. Because it is this proper fear of the Lord that leads us to cry out in penitence and confession, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And it is this fear of the Lord that led the apostles to boldly proclaim the gospel in the face of such violent opposition, saying, we must obey God rather than man. And even when, indeed, perhaps especially when, we are not so hard-pressed as they. It is a healthy fear of the Lord 
the sure knowledge that all of our thoughts, words, and deeds lie open before the Lord God Almighty, that we will one day stand before him to give an account that leads us to live with integrity, to do the right thing when no one is looking, to live in faithful obedience and holy submission to the Lord our God. Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now an unhealthy fear of God comes cringingly to God, seeking to avoid punishment, seeking fire insurance, only wanting to avoid the worst. But there's a healthy fear of God, which comes confident to God, trusting in his fatherly care. The former unhealthy sort of fear may drive us initially to God, but if it leads to a real encounter with the fire of God's love and mercy, it will not remain the same. It will be transformed, changed into what the collect today calls a perpetual fear and love of God's holy name. For as St. John writes, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and he who fears is not perfected in love. Perfect love casts out fear, transforms our unhealthy fear into a loving reverence for the Lord as the one to be cherished and treasured above all else. And it is for this reason, I think, that our Lord goes on to speak as he does of our Heavenly Father's care for the very least of his creatures. He says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. These beautiful words, our Lord teaches us how much our Heavenly Father cares for us, how closely he watches over each of us individually, how he knows the number of the hairs of our head. And in so doing, he shows us that the perfect antidote to fear is the sure confidence of the loving kindness of God, our Heavenly Father, and of his favor and goodness towards us, shown to us in Jesus Christ, the confidence and trust that leads us to confess with the psalmist, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear, what can man do unto me? I mentioned earlier a prayer from the prayer book, which is what I want to close with today. Please pray with me. O most loving Father, who willest us to give thanks for all things, to dread nothing but the loss of thee, and to cast all our care on thee, who carest for us. Preserve us from faithless fears and worldly anxieties, and grant that no clouds of this mortal life 
may hide from us the light of that love which is immortal, and which thou hast manifested unto us in thy Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.